Welcome back to Locked On MLB Prospects, your only daily podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. As always, I'm your host, Aram Layton. I'm a minor league play-by-play broadcaster as well as a prospect writer. And today's episode is a very cool one, an interview with White Sox prospect Andrew Dalquist. If you listen to my White Sox farm system review from last week, you'd know that I think Andrew Dalquist is going to be somebody that kind of bursts onto the scene this coming year. I really like his stuff. There's been great reports out of the alternate training site. So I got to talk to him about it and kind of just hear about what he was able to hone in on, how he was able to get more out of his pitches, and what he's been focused on. A lot of really interesting things from Dalquist and also just a great dude and gave a great interview. And I think you'll really enjoy it, especially if you're a White Sox fan, but I think any baseball fan in general would really appreciate the grind of a player that was drafted in 2019 was ready to play a full season this year in 2020 and develop and obviously that didn't happen so the development process was much different and it's really cool to hear about how each player went about it and tried to get better in whatever way they could Dalquist has a very interesting explanation as to how he was able to do that and it seems like it's worked for him as he has made major gains across the board with his stuff, his mechanics, and everything, which has me very excited to watch him pitch this coming year. And as I said, you'll come away a fan of Andrew Dalquist after listening to this interview because you can just tell he's a good dude that has a very, very bright future. A reminder that this interview with Andrew Dalquist is brought to you by rockauto.com. Why pay 20, 30, 50% more for the same auto parts and deal with the headache from a chain store or a car dealership when you can just go to rockauto.com, use their easy to navigate website and find whatever car part you need for any make or model. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business that has been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. It's as easy as go on the website, select your car maker model, and then find whatever car part you need because they have them all on the website. It'll be shipped straight to your door. It's tough to beat that. And of course, at a discounted rate from the chain stores or car dealerships, go to RockAuto.com and let them know that Locked On sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us section. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, RockAuto.com. Here is the interview with White Sox pitching prospect and third round pick, Andrew Dalquist. And I'm joined by Andrew Dalquist, or Drew as his friends will call him, of the Chicago White Sox, drafted in 2019 in the third round. Andrew, thank you for joining me for this show. I have a lot of exciting things to talk about with you, and thanks for taking the time. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. So we were talking about it off the air real quick. Wanted to just make sure White Sox fans know you sign everything Andrew, but you introduce yourself as Drew. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So White Sox fans, either works. Both are in play. So you have been able to stay busy during this entire craziness right now. And, you know, it's been hard to to train and do what you can. But I think it seems like every team, every big league team has kind of settled in and figured out a way to keep their players getting reps and everything. You're kind of in a weird spot though, right? Because you get drafted in 2019. I think you were on some something of an innings limit. So you didn't get too much of a workload there. And then this would have been the year where you really started to build it up. And then obviously everything happened. So what have you been doing recently to train and, and how has this process been for you? Uh, yeah, I was very fortunate. And I was able to go out and uh, train at our spring training complex, Camelback Ranch throughout some of the summertime. 
And so I was able to get some bullpens in with our uh, pitching coordinator and um, a couple of the older guys were there. So that was really fortunate for me. And then um, kind of once the big league season started and the White Sox did their alternate site in Schaumburg, I was able to uh, and uh, get some more reps in. And then lastly, uh, for baseball this year, the White Sox did an instructional league in October. So I was also out there um, working out, training, getting some innings in, working on my working on my pitches, my mechanics, all that stuff. So I was very fortunate this year. I was able to get a lot of work in, even though coronavirus obviously um, hindered my ability to go out and play full season baseball. Yeah, so I, I found it interesting because I've had some – pitchers and different organizations on that were in a similar boat. Some drafted in 20 this past year and some drafted in 19. And obviously you'd love to just get on the mound and pitch in, in real game settings. But some of them said, you know, it was an opportunity to work on their stuff a little bit. And I know Zach McCambly with the Marlins was talking about how he never really had a change up that he felt comfortable that he could throw in any count. And then he just started throwing it a ton over quarantine and he calls it his quarantine changeup. Now, did you feel like you had a chance to experiment or tinker a little bit more since you weren't playing in person games, you know, right away and where you have to compete and just find a way with your stuff with it, with whatever you have at that moment, or, or did you kind of wish you were pitching in these real game situations? Oh, I could say a little bit of both for me. I was very fortunate that in at least in the beginning of the summer, maybe May, April, May timeframe, uh, maybe May, June timeframe, I was able to throw like 35 to 40 pitch bullpens two times a week and just work on my stuff. Like I really worked on my curveball a lot. I started to develop a slider. So I was very fortunate. Like I could sit there and throw 18 curveballs in a bullpen where in a regular season, I could never ever would be able to do that. So in that way, it was great. But then kind of maybe the second half of the summer, I really started to say, man, I want to face some hitters. I want to face some hitters. So it was definitely beginning was great. But then the second half, it would have been awesome to go out and like compete in an actual game. So you had a chance though, to compete against some hitters at the alternate training site, right? Because you get added to that 60 man roster. And how was that experience? Because you have all sorts of players there, right? Veterans that are trying to make the team or that are rehabbing or whatever it may be. And then younger guys like you, who the White Sox have there to just get the reps in and just get some more experience. Yeah, I could say it was an amazing experience to get to learn from some of the older guys who've been there. And uh, it an experience where I think a lot of young baseball players never would be able to get, and myself included, if um, a whole coronavirus uh, shutdown didn't happen, then never would have been able to meet these guys and get to learn from them. So I was very fortunate to be able to go out there and, and pick some of their brains and say, watch how they go about their business and kind of learn, learn by observing. And it, it was a really good experience. I know every team had a different approach to the alternate training site, but did you get an opportunity to kind of have some simulated innings against some of the other players in that 60 man pool? Yeah, we did. We, I think almost every day we played some sort of inner squad game. Now, not every pitcher pitched and sometimes it was a two inning inner squad game, but um, yeah, all the pitchers were facing the hitters that were there. So for me as a young guy, it was awesome to get to face some of the older uh, prospects and some of the guys who have a little bit of big league time and say, this is a really good hitter. How does my stuff match up against them? And I feel like 
you know, in the minor leagues, you're still part of an organization. And of course you have that connection to the White Sox, but at this alternate training site, it's probably as close as you can feel for a guy that was just drafted, not even roughly a year before and had hardly played in the minor leagues. Watching the White Sox have all of that success and kind of being involved there is some of the guys from the alternate training site were going to get moved up to the big league team and, and vice versa. Was it cool to just watch this team have such a special year? I think a lot of people were expecting the White Sox to make a big jump this season. And I think they still exceeded a lot of people's expectation. How was it to watch the, the big league team that you aspire to hopefully be a part of and contribute to soon, just be able to start to really make those steps in the right direction? Yeah, I thought it was really cool because uh, especially with the training site, you saw people go up and down. It's like we watched the game on TV and it's like, hey, I was uh, talking to that guy yesterday. And I think as a young baseball player and a young minor leaguer, you don't really ever get that opportunity. So it was really cool to kind of sort of almost feel like, hey, I have a little tiny role that I played in the whole success. And there were some reports that your uh, velocity and your stuff had just taken a jump at the alternate training site. And I figured there's no better person to be able to talk about that than the pitcher himself. So what did you kind of see improve at the alternate training site? Because from what I'd read, the velocity had jumped a little bit. You had worked on the, the shape of your breaking ball. What can you talk about with what you've worked on in your arsenal and the gains that you saw? Uh, yeah, so it was more over the summer throwing those long bullpens with our pitching coach, Tiford, um, that I was able to kind of work on my curveball specifically and get that into a better shape with better uh, vertical horizontal movement. We used Rapsodo a lot to get that and uh, see it analytically and then see it come um, game time. It was kind of nice to say, okay, look, this pitch was really something that I feel like I – have improved a lot on and I can get hitters out with. And then as for fastball velocity, I think I gained some strength over the uh, quarantine time. So I think that all ended up coming together and uh, boosting my velocity a little bit. And I saw that, and you had mentioned that you were working on your mechanics as well, but it seemed like, I mean, I'm no pitching coach, but for a high school arm, you seem to get a lot out of your body and you seem to have pretty sound mechanics as is, of course, nobody's perfect, what, were they just very minor tweaks? How, how specific do these tweaks get once you're getting closer and closer to putting things together? And does Rapsodo kind of come into that where it's just release point and little things like that? Um, I didn't really use Rapsodo as much to tweak my mechanics as much as like, hey, does this pitch have good uh, shape? So for me, Rapsodo didn't really help me with my mechanics. But yeah, I'd say there were like little fine-tuned tweaks that, hey, um, if I do this, this happens. And I was able to kind of see that both numbers uh, analytically wise with Rapsodo and then where does the ball go? So it was like little tweaks that we were kind of making, nothing like major. Yeah. So how, what kind of goes into that with the, you, you get the results back from Rapsodo and you, your pitching coach will kind of explain to you what that means and, and how to apply it. Do you play with grips? Is it like, what is the kind of adjustment that you make when you get the data and he says, okay, we want to get it a little bit better in this regard or that regard. Or what, what's an example of a tweak you can make just so listeners can kind of understand uh, what goes into it. Yeah. So an example on my curveball is I um, held my fingers together kind of over one of the horseshoes of the ball. And then I started to spike it. So my uh, pointer finger came up higher on the ball and it was only my uh, middle finger that was on the lace. 
So I was kind of playing around with that, trying to find a group that I felt comfortable with. So in that aspect, um, it increased a little bit of spin efficiency and it helped me get more vertical, better pitch shape than the curveball I had before. And do you think that more vertical movement gives you a better chance against like left-handed hitters, for example, because I know that initially the curveball had more of a slurve break to it. Right. And, and you already have a, a good slider. So everything was kind of going horizontally towards left-handed hitters. Was that a factor at all? Or is that more of a focus with your changeup, which I know is, is something you're working on too. Uh, yeah. So for my curveball, I, I used, that used to be my uh, main secondary pitch that I threw to both righties and lefties. But yeah, I think that um, the whole goal was to make it more uh, effective to, to left-handed hitters and just, overall better shape, less slurvy. So definitely spiking it helped me uh, achieve that. And people say that the changeup is, is the hardest pitch to throw for a lot of pitchers. I know you've been working on that as well. How's that gone? Because I know it is one of those pitches that you really have to experiment on. Oh, I've seen a lot of pitchers just try to find that right grip. And that's another example where maybe quarantine is just an opportunity to play around and just continue to feel it out because you gain the velocity on your fastball, right? And, and you said you added some strength and you're, you're just throwing the ball harder. So it just makes the change up even more important, right? Uh, yeah, I think for me, at least it's a change. is a big time, like feel pitch. So if I have it, then I have it. If I don't, then sometimes it's a little bit harder for me to get. So it's definitely something I need to work on to get more consistent with. But yeah, I agree that you just have to kind of throw the pitch. You have to feel it out, say this works for me. Um, and I haven't really taken that next step with that pitch yet. It seems like that is the the last pitch for quite some pitchers and probably most of the prospects where it feels like that's always the last little missing piece because it is probably the hardest pitch in baseball to pick up if it's thrown right. But it's also maybe one of the harder pitches to throw because you said it's it's such a feel. Uh, so you mentioned an alternate training site, and that was a great opportunity to, to get some work in. Now you're in Arizona. You moved out there to be closer to the training facilities after growing up in California. What are you up to now? So White Sox fans can kind of get an idea of what some of the players are doing in the meantime to, to keep getting better. Yeah. So I am out here in Arizona and I'm fortunate enough to get to uh, work out at our spring training complex that they have open uh, three or four times a week. So I go in there and get a lift in. I've started throwing uh, a throwing program to get ready for spring training. So, um, yeah, just kind of getting in there three or four times a week and working out with our strength coaches, our trainers. So it's it's been a lot of fun uh, in the beginning of this offseason. And how has that move been to Arizona? Because, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of an adjustment, I think, from the L.A. area to Arizona. How's the uh, adjustment been to the new area? The the summers out here are are, are rough, but <laughs> the winter is the winter is beautiful. It's right now it's fifty five degrees here about nine o'clock in the morning, so it'll warm up to about seventy eight seventy nine. So it's re, it's really beautiful in the afternoons out here. So been very fortunate. Got out, played a little bit of golf, driving range mostly, but it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I'll never forget. I, I went out there for a tournament in the summer, and my, my flight got in in the evening. It was already dark out. And I get out there and, and I look at my phone for the temperature and it said 102. I didn't even know it was possible to be over 100 degrees in the middle of the night. But it is it is a different animal out there. Yeah, I agree, especially in the summer. But in, in the winter months, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, it's just beautiful. 
So now you're living out there. You grew up in L.A. and that's where you went to high school in that area, uh, ultimately drafted out of high school. You were committed to Arizona, though, which is funny how it goes back and forth there from Arizona to L.A. What were the chances? When did you start to realize that, hey, I might not be going to Arizona? Uh, you know, you might get drafted. When did it start to set in that you have a chance to kind of skip the college thing and go straight to pro ball? Uh, to be honest with you, not really until maybe midway through my senior season uh, that I really kind of started to realize, hey, wait, this is this is kind of possible. Uh, for me, at least, I was kind of, if you want to call it like a late bloomer. Um, in my senior year, I really took a jump with velocity-wise and kind of went from, a, okay, I'm definitely maybe a D, pretty good D1 prospect to, oh, wait, I can maybe actually get um, – a chance at, at the draft. So it was kind of like, yeah, maybe midway through senior year that it kind of started setting in like, yeah, this is kind of possible. And how tough was that decision? Were, were you very excited to go to Arizona and play there? Uh, how hard was it to decide whether to go to college and, you know, continue to try and boost your draft stock there or just take the opportunity that you had, which was a really good one to go play and, and get right into it. Yeah, I, I was really, I really liked Arizona. I loved uh, Coach Johnson, Coach Lawn out there. Um, but yeah, so it kind of just all happened in a, in a way. It's a really bad explanation, but I sat down with my advisor at the time, agent now, and we kind of like talked it all through and said, okay, if this scenario happens, then I'll go to the draft. If, if this scenario happens, then I'll go to Arizona. So I was very open to do either. But yeah, I was really, I was looking forward to going to Arizona for most of my senior year. And how was the competition out there? Because California, of course, a hotbed for high school baseball talent. Did you have to face a lot of really quality players? Uh, did you have anybody notable that you, you dueled against in, on the West Coast out there? Um, for me, we did play a lot of Division One commits. I say a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of teams that we faced uh, had at least one, maybe two Division One commits. So, yeah, we did have some really pretty good competition. Um, but I felt like it was just a challenge each, each game. And it's like, okay, you can't look at them like this guy's all world or you're going to get kind of rattled. So you just like, Hey, I, I can compete with anybody on the field. And when you did that, then I think you, I, I found myself to have a lot of success. And it seems like that's an important, uh, mentality to have now going into the pro level, because at the alternate training site, like you, you mentioned, you were facing, a lot of those higher level prospects, former big leaguers and all that kind of stuff. Now you're going to be rolling into what'll be a full season uh, of minor league baseball. Hopefully, uh, do you know where you're going to be playing yet, where you're going to be assigned? Are you still waiting on that? And uh, how do you feel going into now what will hopefully be a full season? Uh, I, I'm excited. I, I want to get out there and compete. I have no idea what uh, the minor leagues is going to look like, where I'm going to be individually what the White Sox are going to, uh, what the White Sox uh, affiliates are going to be for next year. Cause I know they're changing that whole process there. Um, so I have no idea. I'm just excited to get out there and play. And do you have any uh, kind of workload limitations because of everything that's gone on or have you been kind of careful leading up to it to, to make sure you can take on a pretty full workload for a full season? Um, I'm not sure if I'll, I'm not really sure. I haven't really talked to any of the pitching coaches, the trainers or anything about that specifically, but I hope I'm ready to go for a full season and can pitch 
however long they want me to pitch, wherever they want me to pitch at. Just to make sure that uh, everybody knows where to follow you on social media, uh, what where can where can White Sox fans keep up with you, see what's going on, and uh, just follow Drew Dalquist. Uh, so my Instagram is just Drew Dalquist, D R E W D A L Q U I S T. Pretty simple. And then uh, Twitter, I don't really post on Twitter, so but my uh, little Twitter thing is Andrew underscore Dahlquist. So. Well, Drew, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and I'm very excited to see what you're going to do this full season. It seems like you've made some major strides and have taken advantage of this wacky time to really just get better and better. And I'm excited to see it translate on the field. Yeah, thank you. It's been it's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. And that was Andrew or Drew, as you heard, whatever you prefer, Dalquist right there with a great interview. I hope you enjoyed it, and it was a lot of fun for me to talk to him. Definitely somebody that will hopefully be back on the show in the next few months after he has some success wherever he starts in the minor leagues this coming year, but somebody I'm looking forward to having on again in the future. An action-packed schedule for the podcast next week. We'll have an interview with San Francisco Giants second round pick Casey Schmidt, which will be something I think you'll really enjoy. And then also some more farm system breakdowns. We'll see exactly which farm system I'm going to dive into. Have not yet decided, but definitely look forward to that interview with Casey Schmidt, somebody that I think Giants fans are going to really take a liking to after they see him play. A great defender at third, plus raw power, and can also pitch, was the closer for San Diego State and was the closer in the Cape Cod League for the champion Kettleers that year he was there. As always, thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow.